0: Hello and welcome to Developing the Leader Within Podcast, an award-winning podcast where I interview the top players in the leadership arena and we dissect leadership, management, and career development from all angles. My name is Enrique Acosta-Gonzalez and I use my more than 20 years of experience in leadership development to dig deep into complex issues and bring you the answers you were looking for. If a topic resonates with you, and you would like to explore how to overcome it, reach out to me at Calendly.com backslash Triad Leadership Solutions to discuss ways to succeed. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Developing the Leader Within. I am Enrique, your host, and today I have Daniel Gomez from Daniel Gomez Inspires. And we're going to be talking about leadership and faith, and I am ecstatic about this because for all of you out there that know, I I am a man of faith, and I don't shy from that, and I'll tell that to the world, but so is Daniel, and I just want to welcome you, Daniel, to the show.
1: Hey, my brother Enrique, man. Excited to be here and just add value. Leadership is one of the great topics that I speak on internationally actually my first ba- big paid speaking engagement was on leadership on the other side of asia so it's something that's dear to my heart and I'm honored to add value to your audience man so thank you so much for having me
0: great i know I'm, I'm honored to have you and and as i was telling you in the pre-show you know every all of my guests are deliberate you are the man for today as we cover this subject of leadership and faith and you know i i like talking about this i i usually Interject one episode or at least dedicate one episode a year to faith because it's so important. Um, but before we get into all of that, give me a little bit of background about you, where you came from, how you got here. Because you know, we see the background, we see the the ads, we see the the speaking clips, but we know it all it it all didn't start like that. So tell us a little bit about that.
1: Man, well Daniel Gomez Inspires is my brand, and I just been blessed by god to be honest with you i think so many times we we get an idea and we shy away from it and it's everybody does that right think about the iphones i mean somebody got tired of the phone being stuck to the wall it was an idea when they are and and they embraced it and next thing you know cordless phones were born and then it led to the iphone and so many times we think it's crazy but sometimes you got to be crazy to succeed in life and when god dropped the idea that I literally remember because I had resigned from my job to take care of my wife because she got depressed on me when she was diagnosed with breast cancer and she had a double mastectomy. I was going to get dressed to go for an interview because I resigned from that last job I had and I just remember I found this email from many, many, many years ago and as I read this email I teared up and God says I want you to go out there and be a motivational speaker. (laughs) And I'm literally crying in my closet because I, the, the, I had the email on my, on my tie rack. And what the email said is, who is this guy? Who is this car person that came and spoke to the kids? And my son's yelling throughout the house, yelling and screaming. And I was like, uh-oh, what did I do? He looks in the mirror, and EJ looks in the mirror, and he puts on this Chevrolet cap. And he says, I love you, EJ. Tell him I said thank you because my son's never told himself that he loves himself. And I see a big difference in my son. And as I read this email almost five years ago, I just cried. I just, God's spirit came upon me. And man, I just felt like God says, that's what I want you to do. And of course, being Hispanic and being here in San Antonio and my friend goes, dude, you know how many Mexican, Hispanic motivational speakers there are? I said, like, I don't know. He goes, exactly. There's none. I'm like, well, there's one now. <laughs> But I was crazy enough to believe in it. I was crazy enough to take action. I was crazy enough to say, I don't care what people think. And my wife, not that she didn't have a choice, but like I said, she just had her first two major surgeries, double mastectomy. So she just supported me because she's a, she's an amazing woman. And I really didn't know what I got was getting myself into. I didn't understand it. And you had said, you, you you mentioned a conference where you went to, and I went to a conference, got certified as a speaker, but it really didn't teach me much. Right. It it really didn't help me because they don't teach you. How to, how to build a speaking business and 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 by God's grace, he gave me the wisdom from running automotive dealerships because I had a business understanding, but I think it just starts off with really I was crazy enough to believe in the dream that God gave me at a time in my life, and I want to express it as a time in my life when when there was no certainty, the only certainty I had was the, my faith in God and and I say that because so many entrepreneurs, so many small business owners, so many people in general, we make so many freaking excuses. We make excuse after excuse. We play the victim when we don't even realize that we justify, Oh, I can't do it because of this. We blame somebody else. And I looked in the mirror and I said, God, if this is a view, like you're going to make it happen. But I was crazy enough to believe in God, to trust me. And from being a nobody in the speaking realm, less than four years, because actually uh, January 23rd, just exactly almost three days ago, I registered my business that I was in full force registered business in less than four years. God took me from an unknown in the speaking world to speaking with Tom Bilyeu, with Les Brown. I'll be speaking here with John Maxwell on stage in Atlanta and Dave Meltzer. And that's because I was crazy enough to believe it and crazy enough not to make excuses and take action in the DK.
0: And I, I tell you, I, I love every bit of that. <laughs> you know, let's go back to you mentioned this little kid. And, that, you know, as you were saying that, I, I almost start bawling over here uh, because I could see myself in that little kid, you know? And, and I don't mind getting emotional on the show. Hey, I'll cry <laughs> if I have to. But, you know, how many people, and for those of you listening, how many of you have told yourself you love yourself? How many of you have looked in the mirror and said, I love you so-and-so? Because that's so powerful, uh, Daniel. That's a, that is a, 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 almost that one of those pinnacle moments in your life. And in my leadership training, I always, I always take everybody back to them. I, I will not start on any development outside of them first. And people are like, well, it's taking too long. You know how long you've been alive? (laughs) alive? (laughs) You you want to give me a couple of months. (laughs) I got to get 30, 40, 50 years, you know, (laughs) out of you. Yeah. But how did, how, you know, you you mentioned you cried, but that must've been such a, a motivating moment for you as a person, that your words actually changed two people's lives. Because if you listen to the story, you change that kid's life. But you also change that dad's life. I I, I think when that happened,
1: right, and and I remember because with Chevrolet, when I ran a Chevrolet store, we'd go give out these awards. And the principal asked me, you have something to say? Like, no, <laughs> I don't. And I remember when I went to sit down, I just felt a, a prompt into my heart. as God says, you just, because even though I, I ran the Chevrolet dealership, I had 100 employees under me. I loved it. I still did the training every Monday. And God reminded me, you just spoke on attitude, speak on attitude. So sometimes we think that it has to be this big old grand thing. No, it's like, it goes back to, the, to what I always say, your gift will make room for you. And when you take what you've had, the little that God's given you, and you can use it, then God gives you more. And I just took what I had. And it, it starts with leading yourself in courage, right? I think so many leaders, when you look back at the leaders that that, that are there, and and, and that, I'm not going to get a bit political about it, but something that makes Donald Trump a great leader is that he goes, I'm, he'll, he'll even say it. I'm not the best leader. I'm not the most qualified. There's, I'm probably one of the dumbest ones. He said that. But you know What? His ability to act under pressure in the face of fear is what's made him a billionaire over and over. Let me say that again. The ability for a great leader to act, take action and act in spite of fear and make a decision when people with a degree from Harvard and, and all these other schools that have a higher GPA, it doesn't matter if you can't make a decision under pressure. And a great leader starts with leading yourself to take action, to be bold enough, regardless of what's going on around you. Being scared, acting in spite of being scared and fear, that's where great leadership starts. And I think for me, I was scared and I didn't really understand the scope of what I was doing, to be honest with you. But you got to take action in spite of fear. And the biggest lie that we've been told in leadership is that knowledge is power. It's not. Knowledge is not power. It's the application of that knowledge because if not, think about this. This is the analogy I'm going to give you is we all drink water. I have a cup of water, right? We all have water. What happens to water when it sits still? What happens to us when we sit still? When water sits still, think of a, a pond. The water is stagnant, smelly, bacteria gets there because it just sits still. That's knowledge unused in you and me and all of us. But when you apply that knowledge, it's like the Colorado River, raging, full of life, fresh, feeding the earth, feeding the world. People go fishing in there and have fun. And that's the type of knowledge you want to have as applied knowledge as a leader. Enrique.
0: I, I totally believe that. I, I'm also an advocate for applied knowledge. Uh, it does not matter. And look, uh, over to my left, be, behind me in a bookshelf, there's a stacks of books, right? Um, until I get into those books, that knowledge is just sitting, right? And then once I get into the books, it starts moving. But guess what? I can make it stay still again by not acting on it. And so uh, I, I'm a firm believer in action, actionable knowledge, something that you can actually do. It's where the power truly is. So thank you for, for commenting on that. Now, you know, we're talking about faith. And, you know, my history in faith goes back to when I, when I was 10 years old. Uh, uh, I, I grew up in the Catholic Church. I did. Uh, but I had no interaction. I mean, I was just a kid, right? You just go with your mom and that's it. Uh, yes. But at 10 years old, I was able to decide for myself um, that Jesus was my Lord. And, you know, and, and I accepted him at 10 years old, but it wasn't until 47. Now, Daniel, this is a long time now, 37 years of. A transitory relationship with Christ. Let me just say it like that. Right. It wasn't until I was 47 that I was fully converted, fully delivered, fully set free, you know, put the world behind you type of deal, because that's the life that I lived, you know, so 37 years in a love hate relationship, if you if you will, with with the gospel and with my role <laughs> in, in, in the world and with with who sh- whom shall I serve and all this other thing. So uh, where did you start off in, in, in your relationship?
1: It's funny you say that because I was in prayer actually the other day and it just, um, God just showed me that his hands always been over my life. He took me back. I saw it vividly, just memories of a kid when I was in in kindergarten and just that. And and I think for me really, I had a mom, my mom passed away when I was 10 (laughs) and God showed me one time that there was back in the day, there was a gentleman named Earl Roberts some people have heard of him and that, but she went to go see O. Roberts because he was a, he had a healing ministry, and that's really the last time I really saw my mom. That was walking and alive because she died from breast cancer, and God just said, "I'm going to keep the promise I gave to your mom," because apparently my mom said, "Just take care of my son," because I was only like eight, and uh, so I think it was just divine intervention for me. My whole life, I think my true encounter came. When for me that um, I like this girl in school and uh, she, we were like in the middle school we we're little kids. Right? And she's like, well, come on, let's go to church. And I went to church one time and nothing ever happened with our friendship. But I remember that that's the first time somebody had prayed over me in tongues. And I felt something there. It was like, I was like in sixth grade and I still didn't understand it but uh i think that that like i said my whole life as i look back and reflected the hand of god's been there and i think when when my sisters started going to church and i'd go with her and i'd be like you're crazy right i'd be like you go to church and you're broke right as like i don't want nothing to do. Like, i mean i'm just being honest right because she she loved jesus right she just didn't understand money but i think as i would go to church one time times to make her happy that god was planting those seeds in me I think it came to full circle when I was 26 years old that uh, I would say that I really acknowledged the spirit of Christ in me when my dad was diagnosed with uh, stage four uh, cancer and they gave him a month to live. I remember walking outside the hospital and just crying and, and I had some success up to that point at 26 and I just said, God, I don't know who you are, man. I said, but if you exist, help my dad. And I'll serve you the rest of my life. I woke up the next day. I went home that night, got totally drunk, just mad at the world, right? Because of the information we got, and that's kind of what I knew. And the next day, I wasn't hungover. I was sober, and the spirit of Christ just came up alive in me. And my wife really thought I was crazy. She thought I lost it. But I'll tell you that just making that decision to put God first in my life—and has it been easy? Has it been perfect? No. But I, I can tell you that as I've grew in him that it's just really helped bring healing to us. Cause I think so many men, so many women, we have so much pain, so much hurt in our hearts and our souls, regrets, whatever, however you want to describe it, shame, guilt, mistakes. We feel like damaged goods. I think for me, God just took that away and it allowed me to help lead myself and lead my family in a better direction.
0: And that's uh, powerful, you know, you, you have these instances in life that get you to a point. Um, and, and you mentioned the, you know, the overnight. So sober, you're sober, like instantly you're like, what in the world? Um, uh, for me was, you know, an addiction that I had was completely utterly. I'm talking about, you have to experience this to understand when you are bound by one thing and you can't get, you can't get off of it, it, it won't let you go and you can't let it go. But one second to the next, it's, it's, it, it was just gone. Yeah. Completely gone. No one on this earth, can ditch something that they've been bound to for years upon years in a second. That only means that God had to do it. And I'm telling you, it's been glorious since then, but it, it, it is the type of things that God does similar to when you was telling your story, it reminded me of, uh, of Jacob, Israel, right? He says, go back to the land where your father Abraham and Isaac and I made a promise. Go back to that because I'm going to take I'm a, I'm a make sure that this promise comes to pass. And you know, uh, you talk you talk about your mom and uh, uh uh that's a tough loss at such a young age. I lost my mom back in April due to COVID and it was tough as an adult, you know? Uh and so as a kid, that's got to be one of the toughest losses you could ever experience, but the assurance of God to make sure that that promise did not go with the person. That when and when He says something, <laughs> time is not a factor, <laughs> right? Yeah. It, when He says something, time has nothing to do with it. It it well, it, it, it it's, it's, it's what is going to happen.
1: Yeah, and 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 the thing is, like I mentioned, is that when I turned twenty six, the light came on, and I was a Bible. My people would make fun of me. They even keyed my car because I was a Bible thumper. From twenty six, I think to like thirty four, I don't know. It was it was about eight years, and during that time, God progressed me, God grew me. I, I entered the automotive industry, and as my success grew, right, I, I didn't realize it, but I was I was drifting from God. We'd still go to church, but my heart wasn't there. And I say that because when when my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer, it's like, it just hit me in the face. It just like says, he was like, son, you've been ignoring me. You're going to church, right? So many of us, we go to church. So many of us, we show up to work as leaders, but we don't lead. We just go through the motion. And then we're toxic leaders because I was a toxic leader at home. And I think it starts at the home, of course. And many of us we're not, we're not even aware of it because ninety five percent of what we do in our lives we do it subconsciously, unconsciously. It just it's we're ha- we're creatures of habit, and we don't even realize what we're doing. We don't even realize what we say. So I, th- I think when my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer, it, it, it didn't matter the Rolex, it, it didn't matter the Corvettes, it didn't the, the prominence was not going to save my wife. He goes, "I'm putting you in a place where you have to come to me if you need help." And I cried, man. I just I didn't I knew I needed help. I didn't realize how much help I needed. And I can tell you these past four years or so, man, I've cried more than I've ever cried as in my whole life. And it just really, I had to forgive myself for for being a bad leader. And I think so many leaders make mistakes in their lives and and they condemn themselves. They, they, they live in regret. They live in shame. I never forget. This is after my wife had her first, she had eight major surgeries. And then this was about the fourth one. And I remember we're just laying in bed and watching tv and i just like started crying she's like what's wrong i, was like, I don't know she goes, what's what are you thinking about i was like i don't know just my failures as not being a good boss to our employees and just i could have done better and um because i had the power to do better and i think the mistake that we make in in leadership is that if we forgive somebody, if we forgive ourselves, we think we're done, and we're not. That God showed me that that's the first step, right? That's the first level, right? It's kind of like you're you're in the armed forces. There's a, there's a first level of defense. There's a second level. There's a third level. There's more than one level of defenses because you got to defend what you got to defend. And God showed me that that first level of, of healing is just the first level. There's a deeper and Like my soul was crying out for healing because God was getting ready to promote me to more. But there has to be a healing that takes place within your soul, within your spirit, because if you don't heal that, then you go back and you screw up again and you self-sabotage yourself. And a good example is, is people that have success too fast. They don't have the character. They don't have the integrity. I always talk about the integrity and I don't talk about the moral integrity going back to you serving our country in the Navy, right? The integrity, the strength, what's the integrity of your foundation? What's the force? How strong is the foundation? What's the integrity? Is it going to withstand a bomb? Is it going to withstand a, a, a torpedo? Is it going to withstand something? And, and, and we don't want our foundation to be built of one of integrity. So as soon as we come and we get into a, whatever, the first situation, whatever it may be, it challenges our integrity and we crack under pressure and, we're back where we're at, and then we kind of condemn ourselves again. So I would encourage everybody listening to this, forgive yourself as a leader, but then go even deeper and say, what else have I not dealt with? Because the worst mistake you can think is, oh, I, I don't, right? I don't, the, the dumbest things they say is, oh, I, I forget. I don't forgive. No, that's stupid because it's affecting you as a leader. I just had a, one of my clients is a successful businessman, multimillionaire over and over, And just it came up about his dad. And I was like, man, they go, so do you realize what you've been saying? Like I said, people will talk and they don't even realize what they're saying in conversation. And the beautiful thing about me being the business coach or the executive that I am is the Holy Spirit just draws them out. And they go, I don't even know why I'm telling you this. I don't tell anybody this. Because everybody cries for the truth. Everybody wants the truth. And he goes, you know what, Daniel? My wife was mad because I hired you. He told me this about a month ago. And just Monday, he goes, You know, Daniel, I'm I'm laughing because you need to hear that stuff. What? She goes, My wife said, I'm so glad you hired Daniel.
0: <laughs> hey, listen, man, you don't know what you need until you get it. Uh, and 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 that's beautiful. You know, you talk about truth, and interesting enough, you said the last four years. And and for me, my journey, my true. My true God journey started four years in 2017. You know, it, it, it's, it's amazing the, the timelines. God is doing something with you over there. He's doing something with me over here. And, and, and here we are today. We're talking. Um, but it truly is about truth. And you mentioned, uh, you know, that, that everybody's crying uh, for truth uh, but it's being inundated, covered up by so many lies, you know, and, and we, I, I, you don't have to be a genius to look around our world today and see that there are more lies than there are truths <laughs> going around here, and nobody knows what to believe, but there's one thing we definitely can believe, and that is God. And you can believe God in, 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 in its entirety. Uh, and if you're one of those people that say, well, I don't believe that book. Hey, go to his spirit, his spirit. If you don't believe the book, okay, go to his spirit. His spirit's going to tell you the truth. And then more than likely going to take you back to that book. <laughs> <laughs> so either way you can have it your way, but in a generation that is such a need of truth. Um, I, I love that you you know, you speak to, to leaders, uh, I always, uh, address truth when I speak to leaders as well, because that's where the real trouble lies. When you talk about, uh, obstacles, you know, when you start living a pseudo truth or something that looks like truth, uh, some people call it white lies. Some people call it half truths, whatever you might want to call it. Yeah. Uh, it's still not all the truth, but that's what we are after. But it seems like there's more uh, to get out of not doing that. Although we know, you and I, that's not really where the, the, the real treasure lies. Um, but they're, they, they go after They're satisfied with half-truths and white lies.
1: Well, the thing is, what I've seen is so many people in leadership, they just, they're insecure. So if you're an insecure leader, you're going to be a toxic leader. You you micromanage your people and to say that you want to be in control and really you're not, you just, that just disengages the people that you serve. And I think when you have a leader that is competent within themselves, that really shows that they need help that people respond to that, right? People can open their hearts. It's not a sign of weakness. Of course you you need to be, there's time to be bold as a leader. There's time to stand firm and, and, and keep your face like Flint. You definitely need to do that. Especially what happened these last couple of years in 2020, 2021, you gotta have that boldness in you, that strength that God gives us. But I think at the same time, you need to deal with those insecurities because so many times as leaders, we've prospered or we get to a place of, of success in our, in our division and our corporation or our business. And then we, we have those unresolved issues and then we take it out on our employees. We take it out on our wife, on our kids, and you don't even realize you're doing it. And it's just like, it's, it's not good. And it, it stems from, from insecurities. You have to deal with those insecurities because your life, your business is not going to grow beyond your self image of yourself. So if you have self image issues, self esteem issues, it's going to come out in the way you interact with the people, not just your, your internal clients, which are definitely your employees, but your external clients, you don't really serve them the way you should. So you definitely got to deal with yourself, because it starts with you, what what are you what, what behaviors are you presenting to your employees? What behaviors are you presenting to your children? I think now, talking about four years now I don't even tell my kids anything I just they see it in me they 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 they're changing because of they see that wow dad's not going through a phase right god god my dad's not going through a fad he's actually living this out and 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 I say that jokingly but like yeah, just yesterday my daughter sent me a she goes hey dad I heard this podcast on entrepreneurship I thought it was pretty cool about passive income thought you might like it And I'm like we think they're not listening or they're not watching but they are because they see me living it out in business they see me doing things for them now without right without I would I don't mean to interrupt your 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 show here but without bitching and complaining right because that's the worst thing we could do because it kills our blessings and our kids just say you know I don't want we wonder why they don't listen to us well if you're that parent that's always nagging right if you're always murmuring to your kids the bible clearly states it the Israelites did not enter the promised land. Moses didn't enter because of the murmuring. It angers God. Numbers 11.1. 1. Listen, read it. Numbers 11.1. 1. Murmuring angers God. So if it angers God, it disengages in our kids. I want to deal with that. It's like, Phew. bye, mom, bye, dad. Instead of just being the role model that you need to be being
0: the leader of your home, because it starts at home. That's, that's profound. And, and I do believe that uh, and always uh, say that myself, you know, it, it, leadership starts with you and it also starts at home before you could take it to any workforce or any organization. And if those two things are not solid, you can, uh, and, 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 and Lord forbid, <laughs> Lord forbid that you're out there in that organization and you have a solid reputation, and you go home and you can't do it. That That's really one of the greatest falsehoods uh, that you could ever uh, uh, bring out, right? Uh, I've heard, and it has been uh, read and said, a prophet has no honor in his own home. I can understand that. You know, both, the, uh, both you and I uh, surely have lived where God has actually done something in us and our own family is like mm. <laughs> you know like, <laughs> like what are you talking don't about don't <laughs> yeah i don't know about that right uh, because that's uh. what happens when you get transformed the person that was there before is no longer there and they're like what's going on here who did the switcheroo it, it can i really rely on this or are you going to blow up like you did last week you know so i can understand the prophet has no honor in his own home But when you are out there and you're treating people that are not your home folk better, and then you come back home and you're treating them like dirt, something's wrong. Somebody, somebody drunk the wrong Kool-Aid, right? (laughs) Somebody did a switcheroo, but it's, it's act. What it actually is is um, this is, this is the funny part. I refer to it as successful people. And they don't know it. They don't know that all of their grandeur and all of their accolades and all of their accomplishments are under the mantle of falsehood. They are not that person. And there's a lot of leaders out there right now listening. And you're wondering whether you're successful or successful. And that's a question you have to ask yourself and you must answer yourself. Are you living a lie out in the organizations and corporations and workforce that you're out there? And then you're coming back home and you're dishing your family all the junk. And maybe you're dishing the family of junk and then the organization junk, but at least you're consistent, right? <laughs> we could work with we could work with that. But there is a falsehood in leadership where they look one way in the, in the spotlight, but there's somebody else in the darkness. And so what would, what would your suggestion be Daniel for those people living this type of lie?
1: Well, I would say in, in many cases, it's not their fault. And I don't say that to let them play the victim. But I think if you look back of how we've been trained, From childhood as a society. What's the biggest lie we've been told? When you go to a a career day at any elementary school, what do they tell you to be? Pretty much it's one or two things. What? A doctor Doctor and and a lawyer. lawyer. (laughs) So out of 7 billion people in the world, a doctor and a lawyer is what, A, you got to be. So think about that. So then people make the mistake That's not their gifting, but they go to law school. They go to medical school. One goes to school for eight years. The other one goes to school for 12 years. And then they hate it. It's not who they are. That's not who God created them to be. But they get so much pressure from their mom, from their dad to do this. And they do it to make their mom and dad happy. Or they're forced to live their life. They're right They're, They're forced to live their family's, their dad's life through their child. And. Then next thing you know, they go through this whole journey of 12 years of school as an MD. They have their practice, and then next thing you know, they're not happy because that's not who they were. So it's hard to be, no matter what you do, if it's not in you, you're doing it for the reasons of, because you want to make your parents happy. And I've seen that happen over and over. They go up the wrong ladder, and they get to the top rung, and they're like, this is not for me. What? That by that time, you think about, well, man, I'm already 45, 50 years old. It's too late. Like, it's, they go, what other choice do I have? I, I've invested years, money, time. And then you're like, they, they feel that they're stuck there. And I think I want to tell your audience that if you're one of those people right now that you're in a position in leadership and you're a position that you hate it, don't tolerate it. I was 44 years old when I switched, when I resigned from the automotive industry. Making over, I mean, I was making a lot of money, over a quarter million dollars a year. But I walked away from it because I was crazy enough to believe in the dream. So, well, maybe this it will work for me. And because I was obedient in that, God already surpassed that income then some. In four years. And glory to God for that. But I say that because you have a gift inside of you. If you're not living your passion, if you're not living your purpose, and whatever that is to you, don't think just because you're 45 years old, 50 years old. Think about this. Colonel Sanders was 65 years old when he started Kentucky Fried Chicken. He had a he had a Social Security check. He goes, I ain't going to live off of this little two dollars. Think about that. In this, he, I ain't going to live off of this two dollars. What the heck is this? But he was crazy enough to be believing his dream. And he went out there and he knocked on doors, sold his recipe. And by the time he was 72 and a half, depending on which story you is confirmed, right? We'll just go with 72 and a half. He was a multimillionaire. At 65, he started his journey seven years later. So don't think it's too late. But I, th- I think that it, it's easy to fall into that trap because I'll never forget my son. Of course, I wanted my son to be a football player. Like I think every dad wants him to be. And he wanted band. And he goes, well, dad, I'll just do both of them. And so he did both of them for a couple of years. And then they came to a headway where he had a pick. And I just said, well... I wanted him to pick football. But he goes, well, dad, he goes, then he told me something the coach said, right? The coach said, well, maybe it's time you stop doing that wussy stuff and you know which one to pick. Because he had to choose because there was a game, like it, two events crossed over. And it pissed me off. It really made me mad. And I was and he goes, don't worry, dad, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to him, right? And he was only in seventh grade. But it, 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 it helped me to understand that what I had been teaching my son as a leader of my home, that he understood he stood his ground, he goes, the coach goes, where were you? I was expecting, you. he goes, you told me if, to make the decision. I made my decision. And he chose band. And he loves playing the he, I, We support him. But it, I, I truly believe if I would have forced him to play football, that he would have resented me without telling me, and there would have always been that, that edge, that little separation in our relationship, where he would have been resentful towards me. And I think so many parents do that without even they're not aware of it. So it's not their fault, right? They're just not aware of it. And by God's grace, I had the light that came out of me. And I said, I don't want him to make a decision for me. I said, you do it. And so many parents need to do that right now, especially today. So that's my answer to your, to your comment. I know it was, a, it was a long answer, but I think so many people are just unhappy because we've been sold the story that you have to become a doctor. You have to become a lawyer when I mean, I can tell you, I know so many lawyers that ain't happy because this is a lie we were told (laughs) because I I trained this because I I like to train sales and teach sales Mm -hmm. as a a sales executive, as an account executive, sales professional, whatever label you put on yourself, you're going to have to take work and effort. I said, okay, great. You might have to work a Saturday. Great. But you tell me, uh, tell me a lawyer that works nine to five and makes over one hundred thousand dollars a year doesn't exist. Tell me a doctor that just works 40 hours a week and makes over $100,000 a year. It doesn't exist. Yeah, tell me a doctor. And they're like, well, we never thought about it like that. Just my grandson's two and a half years old. We were at the hospital, the same OBGYN that delivered my daughter, delivered my grandson 20-something years later. And I said, hey, doctor, what are you doing here? She's like, well, I'm on call. And she looked tired, older lady, right? I mean, but it was, it was Memorial Day weekend, Sunday she was there, some Monday she was there. And I'm like, and, and, and we complain and our perception is, oh, I got to work weekends because it's retail. It's like, that's being small-minded. So we've been taught this live. I don't want to, do, don't do sales because they work you all these hours. Well, come on, if you're, if you're a successful doctor, you're working some hours. If you're a successful lawyer, you're bringing that case home and you're, do, you're researching those files at midnight and then you got to go to court the next morning at six o'clock.
0: Yeah, especially during this uh, last two years, right? Doctors have been uh, well spent over, uh, to say the least. Uh, you, you, meant, you bring up a good point. And for those uh, of you listening, and, you're, and, you know, there was a, an actual poll, a, a stat that came out, 4.7 million people left their employment. And I'm, uh, I am sure that it was because they realized this is not for me and I have an (laughs) opportunity to go and I'm going. And you know, there's a lot of people out there right now trying to find themselves, you know, uh, trying to find their true direction, not somebody else's dream. You know, you mentioned about the parent. And I see that a lot. I see a lot of kids being forced to live out their parents' dream, which is a shame. You had your opportunity, parents. Let it go. <laughs> right? Yeah. Let it go. It's over. You didn't take it. Don't force your kid to do it. Um, to your point, my son, I, and I asked him, I said, hey, what do you want to do when you get older? What do you want to do? What do you want to invest your time in? He says, I want to be a professional video game player. I, I, I see a lot of potential in me here, and I could, I could do something great on it. I said, Bet, what do you need? What, what do you need from me? What can I get? And, and we've been doing that. We've been investing in him and his dream, not my dream. Any parent will tell you, I play, so no, I got, that don't pay nothing. What's going on? A- and except that I saw this kid that was 13 years old when two point oh, almost $3 million playing video games. Okay. So invest in your children. Don't let them and force them to live out your dream because this is why 4.7 million people left their jobs. Poor leadership, right? Poor organization. And they were not living out their dream. And so. I love
1: that. And I I came up with the quote, no leadership is better than poor leadership, (laughs) but it's true. Think about it. And, 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 and there's, there's, I don't have the exact stats, but I can tell you this for a fact. No leadership is better than poor leadership. Why? Because, we, it's because many multimillion-dollar, even Fortune 500 companies have proven these last two years their profits are up. But get this, they're not, I mean, no one's watching them 24-7 like they were before. They're working from home and they're more productive. Why? Because no leadership is better than bad leadership. Cause we all have a human instinctive behavior to want to do good deep down inside of us. And when we're putting ourselves in the right environment and we listen to our little cumbias or music here at home, we kind of set our own culture, our mini culture within the bigger company. Right. My wife, I said, man, you got another bonus. She goes, yeah, she goes, we're doing good. I'm like, no leadership is better than bad leadership. And it's just a proven fact. Cause we're seeing it. We've seen it these last two years for the people that, that were working from home and, and, doing a hybrid workplace because people respond. Nobody wants to be micromanaged. Nobody wants to be told what to do. Nobody wants to be talked to with dictatorship. No, they don't respond to that. And it just shows how much, how many opportunities are there to make our workplaces better. I would say, I'll put it that way.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a fact. Now for for those leaders out there that are wondering how do I, engage my faith uh and and, in in the workforce because uh the workforce has changed right you're you're more at your house now than you ever been and there's some companies that did keep the op temple at site you know at whatever risk you know they were willing to take Uh, but for those that are, are still struggling with divulging or or showing their faith. Uh, what would you tell those leaders? Uh, a good way to uh, to do it. Well, I, w- I would say that it's
1: <clears throat> there's a ways to do it, and I think for me, because when I go speak at corporations, when I get hired as a keynote speaker to go speak at these events, I don't talk about God and quote scripture. That's man made, right? The Bible, the verses, all this stuff. Sometimes we put too much focus on that. That's religion. And I just talk about the principles of God, which is the same thing. And there's many ways of talking about the principles of, of, of his word and people are like, what's different about you, right? Because you got to be wise, right? You got to be wise. Like the word says, and the wisdom is to get into these conferences to these corporations and you're just there. It's a circular. So I respect that. But then when the opportunity arises, it's like, man, and then you get what's different about you, man. There's something different about you. Like, what is it? And by law, they asked you. So you get to say, well, <laughs> let me tell you about my Jesus. Or I tell them about what happened with my wife. And it's just people can relate to stories. And they're like, wow. So I can't tell you if, if this is true for you. But let me tell you what God's done for me. And people can relate to that. And I think that that's really the approach that I've taken Is. is be bold as a lion. But then be gentle as a dove. And you got to learn when to use the wisdom. I think there's so many, I I think the turnoff is there's so many believers that come and they try to hit you on the head with the Bible. And that doesn't work. You got to, you got to lead with compassion. You got to lead with love and, and let people know that. But I think you always got to be sure in your faith in some form. By just, it goes back to the the great quote from the St. Francis of Assisi. He said, right, be ministering at all times, be ministering at all times, but when need be, use words. And I think as insecure leaders, you always want to be the first one spoken out. You always want to be the first one heard. And it just shows immaturity hurt, right? There's a reason you, you, need to, you need to feel validated. There's something going on deeper. But I think when you know that you can just model the behaviors that you're supposed to model, that people can respect that. And people, we think people don't see it, but people see it. People see what's going on. So I think that it's, it's using both the wisdom of what you speak and how you speak because the word clearly says right the issues of life flow from your heart so you know what a person's heart is by what they say so are you doing what you're saying because people will gravitate towards that and then are you are your behaviors in line with what you're saying also right are your behaviors in line with who you portray yourself to be and i just did a post the other day i i don't think i posted it on linkedin yet but it says don't be right don't be fooled by people by don't be fooled by a person. Their life will tell you what who they are by their fruits.
0: Look at the fruits. i tell you, one of the most powerful leaders that I've ever witnessed have been a silent leader. You know, silent. Uh, and it's it's been amazing uh, to see, and you walk in a room, and everybody's yapping, everybody's talking, and you look around, and you see this person reserved, and then, everybody's asking questions they're looking that way and they're just looking for a look. They're looking for a nod. They're looking at the most powerful person in that room was the one that said the least. And it's amazing how that works out. So folks, we've been talking about leadership and faith. Uh, Daniel, it has been a straight pleasure and honor to be with you today. Um, I'm so hopeful and, and, Uh, looking forward to the fruits of your up and coming events. And if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, uh, book you for their event or have you speak at their conferences or things like that, or join sticker shop, because I see it in the back. (laughs) Join sticker shop because everybody does have a a story. How would they do that?
1: Yeah. The the best way is go to um, www.danielgomezglobal.com. That's Daniel Gomez global. Dot com, And on the bottom of our web pages, we have our social media links on our web page. And then you can email me directly at Daniel at dot com. That's Daniel at Daniel dot com. That's my direct email. And I'd love to speak for your event, for your audience. And I'm very, very, you know, I make it very personable. I'm engaging, I bring the passion, I bring the energy. And our Sticker Shock Speaking Academy, actually, we're having it here March 11th and 12th in San Antonio, Texas. And then we're having another one, August 26 and 27, where so many people have a story. They don't know how to get paid to speak. So we don't even, we don't just help you become a speaker. And then we help you out to build a speaking business. And that's why most business, most speakers fail because they don't have the mindset to build a speaking business. So we give you all the tangible. So we'd love to have you at the Sticker Shock Speaking Academy. And then another great book on self-leadership is my book, You Were Born to Fly. Go to Amazon right now. This book is going to help you just with self-leadership self-development and it's going to add a lot of value to you so thank you for having me today my friend i had a great time man
0: yeah outstanding folks we'll have all of that information as part of the show notes so that you can get a hold of daniel get a hold of his book get a hold of the sticker shock event hopefully daniel one day you'll you'll make it out to orlando and uh and and have it out here uh, but uh, great guests that you're having at all, all of those events. I'm I'm looking forward to it. You're having my mentor, John Maxwell, speaking there with you uh, at one of these events. And it's amazing. Uh, I, I believe it's in Atlanta, if I'm correct. But uh, nonetheless, uh, it's been such a great pleasure, Daniel. God bless you. God bless everything that you do for his glory. and And folks out there, you know how we like to close this show. Success to you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Triad Leadership Solutions and on Twitter at TLS underscore FL. Thanks again. I'll see you next week and success to you.